So today we are continuing our series. It's called Passwords. And now a password is defined as simply a a word or a phrase that must be used to gain admission or access to something. And I strongly believe that God has given us the passwords to life. And so those passwords give us access to the authority in Christ that he has given to us. And so this is the theme verse for the series. It's Proverbs 18, verse 21. And it says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is something that's more literal than we could actually imagine. And yet for a lot of us, we underestimate the impact that our words can have in the life, the lives of people around us, life or death. And so the first week we talked about that there is a God kind of faith and that he used it to actually speak the world into existence with his words. And then Jesus, we see Jesus constantly speaking to things, objects, plants, weather, dead people. And he, that he is always speaking to things. And we also learned that the tongue is a steering device. And although it's very small, it's got a huge amount of power in our lives. So James tells us um, that the tongue is not tameable. It's wild. But we are, should try to keep it under control. And because it could be death to those around us. And so today we're talking about tongue safety rules that would help us in how to wield our tongue. When I was eight years old, I had a good friend that uh, was two years older than me. He lived in the same neighborhood as me. Our parents were friends, and we saw each other pretty much every day. And his parents had gone through a divorce when he was very young. His father would rarely see him, but when he would see him, he would shower him with gifts. And so this was his way of expressing his love to his son. It wasn't the best way, but that's what he did. And so my friend always had the latest everything. He had a TV in his room, which back then was, was unheard of. He had the latest bicycle. He had all the latest toys. He had, uh, he had, the, it was, he had one of the first Apple computers. This was back in the 80s. And he had an Apple computer. In, and so I was in awe of everything that he had. Now, our family, when we grew up, we were incredibly poor. My father working multiple jobs in order to make in, ends meet. And so all the bells and whistles that my friend had in my mind were absolutely amazing. What I wasn't aware of until later was that he had deep scars that he carried with him because of his parents' divorce. And so his father, trying to make up for not being there by showering him with all these gifts, had a negative effect. But there was this one day that he had gotten from his dad a kite. And it was one of those huge, amazing kites with the long tails and multiple tails. And it was, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful kite. And I was in awe, as, as with everything else, I was in awe of this kite. And so we're standing in my backyard, and he's flying a kite. And I just asked him, hey, can I fly the kite? And he, he was like, no, 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 my dad got me this kite, and so you can't fly my kite. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do it. And I just begged him, my eight-year-old self, please, please. And so finally, he hands me the string to this kite. 
and I begin to fly this kite and it is glorious it's a beautiful day it's amazing it's going higher and it's getting smaller and smaller and he's getting excited he's like let it out more let it out more so I let it out more and it goes back over we had some woods down below our house and it goes way up over the trees and it's beautiful it is amazing and right at the height of my eight-year-old kite flying glory the wind leaves and that kite begins to drop and so I start reeling it in trying to keep it up in the air and but it just continues to drop lower and lower and I even start running backwards and he's going with me and so to try to keep it up in the air but there's nothing that I can do so I think, oh man, if I mess up this kite, he's never gonna let me play with his other toys, you know, and he's gonna be mad at me. And so I do my best to reel it in and to keep it in the air, but to no avail, the kite drops down and disappears into the top of those trees. And I feel horrible. This is a kite that his dad got him. And I didn't realize that this is the kite that represents to my friend how much his father loves him. And so my friend, hurt and wounded, and at this point, angry, he turns to me and he says this to me, and I'll never forget his words. He said, I don't know why I'll let you play with my toys because everything you touch melts. And he turned around and he went home. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, that stuck in my spirit, in my heart those words brought death to me all through the rest of my childhood and even throughout my teenage years that you know what everything you touch melts I'm okay now though it's okay <laughs> you guys are all like oh we love you I want to give you a hug I'm so sorry I'm okay now though but man that was that was that was tough and I, you know, <laughs> it took a long time for God to get that out of my heart, though, and, and that everything I put my, but and get into my heart that everything I put my hand to prospers, and it does. It's not, it's not, it's not. It doesn't hurt anymore to tell the story, and there are no wounds, but there are scars because I still remember it. And I did struggle to overcome the death that was spoken into my life that day at eight years old in my backyard. Now, I know many of you have worse stories than mine. You carry with you deep wounds or memorable scars of what people have said to you. And I think that the problem is that we as humans, we're very careless with our words. I mean, it's 16,000 words a day we speak on average, and that's very easy just to be careless with a few of them. Maybe it's out of just pure carelessness, or it could be out of anger, out of pain, our own pain, because hurt people hurt people. And so James is very clear that the tongue is untamable, that we cannot ever get it to a point where it doesn't wrestle us. To say the right thing and so maybe we get tired of watching our tongue being careful with their words and in a moment of exasperation or 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 frustration or anger or maybe you're just exhausted and you wound somebody with your word you speak death either in your own life or in the life of other people so i want to look at proverbs 12 18 and it says the words of the reckless pierce like swords but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
I think sometimes the reason we're careless with our words is because we don't treat our tongue like a loaded gun. Like our reckless words could pierce like a sword. But the Bible says that they do. And we don't treat our mouths like a weapon that could bring life or death. Now, I grew up around guns. I grew up, my father hunted. Most all of my family members hunted and so guns were not an unusual thing to be around growing up. And I, and I realized they're not dangerous unless you don't understand that they have the power of life and death. But a weapon can be used for good or evil. Now, this is not a political uh, statement. Where it's just an illustration. Some believe in the Second Amendment, uh, Amendment with no limitations. Some think that we should abolish the Second Amendment, uh, Amendment and, and get rid of all of that. Listen, as an American, I have very strong views as your pastor. I, it, this is not a place where I'm going to voice my political views, okay? So this is just an illustration. I'm making no political statement. But as a child around firearms, I realized that there have been times where weapons have saved lives and brought life, and there have been times when weapons have been extremely careless and destructive like this last week that we that we, uh, we've experienced. But it's a very strong parallel with their tongue. It even says that the reckless tongue can be like a piercing sword. So growing up around weapons that could bring life or death, I understood that you had to have a respect for it or it could bring death when you didn't mean for it to. And so there are certain safety rules when handling a firearm that I was taught from a very young age, and I still remember those to this day. So we're going to talk about our tongue as though it is a loaded weapon that could bring life or could bring death. And maybe we'll never tame the tongue. The Bible says we won't, and we'll always have to wrestle it. But however, what if we had some tongue safety laws, some rules for our tongue to make sure that it only brings life and never death. So here it is, three tongue safety rules to keep you and your loved ones safe around your tongue. The first tongue rule, and these are in no particular order, is always treat your weapon like it's loaded. So we have to always treat our tongue like it's loaded. Now, how do we know if our tongue is loaded or not? Or how do we load our tongue? Now, if you remember in Mark chapter 11, it says that if you say to this mountain and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, then you will have what you say. So the way that our tongue gets loaded is that what we believe in our hearts. Because I have a lot of people that'll say, you know, well, you know, don't get all legalistic about it. You know, you don't have to be real legalistic. I'm just making a joke. I don't really believe the, that in my heart. But we have to be very careful. Because what if one day when you're making that joke, you actually do, you accidentally, you come to a place where you really believe that. And then you spoke as a result of what you believed and the gun went off. See, I'm not sure if you know this, but you can load your faith gun with your words. See, there is a confession and a declaration that will, can help you create belief on the inside of you. Where you're speaking the word over your life where you, maybe you don't believe it yet, but you continue to confess and declare the word of God over your life. And in fact, that's how I got out of believing in my heart and not doubting that everything that I touch 
that it would be destroyed and melted that I would mess up everything I put my hand to. And I had to replace that by speaking and declaring into my life that everything I put my hand to prospers, the scripture. So the same way that you load good ammunition into your heart, you can also accidentally load bad ammunition into your heart to where you speak something, even though it may be a joke, or you might say, well, yeah, but I don't really believe that. Well, you can actually create belief in your heart by hearing things over and over and over. So that's where faith comes. Look at this. In Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we know that belief comes into our life by what we hear over and over and over. And if you're saying it, then you're hearing it. And you could be creating a belief on the inside of yourself and loading that gun. And this is why you ought to always treat your mouth like it's loaded. Be careful the words that come out of your mouth, even if you don't think you believe it. And see, and this is another thing that can very easily happen is maybe you don't believe it, but the people around you don't know that. And so you could hurt other people around you with your mouth. You ought to always treat your mouth like it's loaded, like you're going to have exactly what you say. And that's not a bunch of legalism. It's just respecting the life and death power that's in your tongue. Number two, never point your weapon at something that you're not willing to impact. See, when we respect our tongue and the power of our tongue and we're aware of it and we respect the power that's in it, we are extremely careful about what we talk about to begin with. See, if I bring a weapon in here and I'm just kind of talking with you and I'm just pointing it around at everybody, you know, don't worry, it's not loaded, it's okay, you know. First of all, we got to treat it like it's loaded all the time. But can I just say that some of us, we just talk way too much. Look at this. Proverbs, um, what's that next scripture? 10, 19 says, sin is not ended by, a multiplying wor- by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. So sometimes there are situations that it's just best we not say anything. It's best we not speak, especially in those times when we really have a conviction one way or the other. You know, I think this is going to turn out bad. I give, it, I give their marriage a year, you know. I don't know that what I'm seeing in the natural, I don't know that they're going to make it. You know, those kids, when they grow up, oh my word, based upon how their parents are parenting or, or not parenting, wait till they get to be a teenager. That's going to be rough. Well, maybe it is. But if you're speaking that out of a belief that's on the inside of you, you're not helping don't point your tongue unless you're willing to impact it with your tongue because you will impact it with your tongue. But sometimes we're ignorant to how much we can impact our lives and the lives of people around us. And I've known, there have been times when I'm having a hard time keeping my mouth shut. I actually physically put my hands over my mouth or I will actually grab my lips and hold them together because I know if I open my mouth, it will be death. Somebody's going to get shot accidentally. So be careful where you point your tongue. All right? So the third thing, the third tongue safety rule is keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to fire. I want to encourage you to be very strategic with your tongue. Once again, when you understand it has power 
and you respect that power, be really, really careful. Don't just go off and speak certain things. Oh, well, you know, I'll just say something positive. Well, okay, but make sure that what you're saying is positive is actually the best thing. So, because <clears throat> sometimes you think it's positive, but when you get there, wow, that's not what I wanted. Now, the, that's, this is why the Bible is a sure thing. Promise books and, and Googling scriptures and, and speaking them into your life, it's failure-proof because it's the Bible. But there are times when you're speaking specific things that are not necessarily scripture and verse in the Bible. And so make sure that you've got your eyes on the target before you put your finger on the trigger of your tongue. Also, if you're angry, if you're upset, Many of us were raised in families where, you know, uh, you know we, just, we just pop off at the mouth. We just say what we think. We just walk in and spray bullets everywhere. <laughs> Listen, we're going to hurt somebody that you care about doing that. That's not the way God intended us to use the God kind of faith. If you're in fear, you believe in your heart, and you do not doubt that something bad's going to happen, something negative that's going to hurt you or hurt other people, you want to keep your mouth shut. Shh. And here's a little trick that I'll, sh I'll, I'll tell you. You can state what has happened in the past without declaring your future. But when you speak of the present and the future, you declare those things. And if you happen to believe in your heart, you're declaring those things that are not as though they are. And so if somebody's asking you, well, how are things going? It's okay to say, ah, it's been rough. It's been rough. That's okay, but you don't want to say, I'm having a really hard time. Because what you're doing is you're keeping yourself in your present state that you have been in. So you could state your past, but you declare your present and your future with your words. So be careful when you're tired, frustrated, or even people out of a good heart are just asking you, how are you doing? They're checking on you. Just be careful how you respond, okay? And I, see, I've seen, especially parents... We need to watch what we say to our children. I've seen men speak a hard word to their son or daughter, and you can see that it just pierced them through like a sword. I've seen mothers get mad and lose their temper and speak a hard word, and it'll go into the children because they love you and they care about you, and what you say means something to them. We can hurt people if we're not careful. Don't let the enemy say things through you to hurt people choose your words carefully and wisely and if you're feeling irritated and you're feeling mean like you want to lash out button that lip i'm going to say the s word shut up be quiet get somewhere get in the bible pray through whatever you got to do but don't just talk about a bunch of stuff <clears throat> people say things like yeah i had i had a guy tell me something one time i couldn't believe he was this ignorant he said I believe that God has given us our spouse so we could just release on them and, and just dump on them our emotions. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. God didn't give you anybody to dump on. You know, your anger and your frustration. He said, he's there for you to cast your cares on him. And so when it comes to all these feelings, I've heard people say, you know, well, just get it all out. You know, just, just it's unhealthy to keep it in there. Just, just get it out. Unleash on every, just pop off at everybody around you. No, no, that's not okay. Just to ramble and rant and rave. The Bible says that we will be responsible for all the idle words. And if they hurt people, we will be responsible for that. Now, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling upset, 
don't let words of death and anger and unbelief and fear come out. You are in control. Believe it or not, you are in control. Choose your words carefully. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4 says this. Uh, griping brings discouragement. There, you should quote that. And then the 16.24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. And it doesn't, it doesn't just say it's like that. It says it actually is that. Words are medicine. And we need to learn, uh, you know what, they, they've actually discovered that talking to plants makes them healthier. And you got people talking to their plants and they found that you can show results in that plant that it responds and does better and gets bigger and healthier when, uh, when the word, when people talk to it. See, this has been in the Bible all along. And if that works on a plant, how much more should we choose good words, kind words to speak to our children, our babies, our families, our spouses, over our congregation, our workplace, to your employees, your coworkers. You know, I know there may be some times when they haven't done so well and they've messed up and made mistakes and made you feel like going in there and chewing somebody out. I know what that's like, but ha let's have some wisdom. If we go in there and blow our top and say a bunch of stuff, are they gonna feel more encouraged to do a better job? Or are they gonna be more discouraged? See, think results. Don't just think how you feel. The Bible says a foolish man says whatever he feels. A foolish woman says whatever crosses her mind and then tries to sort it out and repent later. See, that's being the, a fool, the Bible says. A wise man says, all right, so this is what I feel and this is what I feel like saying, but what's gonna get me the desired results that I want? Will saying this help me? Will it help them? Well, if it won't, I'm not saying it. We've got to be spiritual enough that we control how our feelings affect our words. Words are like a, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, health to the bones. And then in Proverbs 17 and verse 27, it says, he that has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. That word um, excellent there, some translations say a cool spirit. You want a cool spirit? Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is considered wise. And when he shuts his lips, he's esteemed of a man of understanding. Some of us, if we just shut up, we'd be a little bit smarter. I'm speaking about me, mainly. But, but that's what it says, is if you want to look smart, just be quiet. See, if you really believe that everything that you said, that you spoke, would come to pass, you'd treat your mouth like a loaded gun. You wouldn't just go around pulling the trigger, you know, or even walk, walk around with your finger on the trigger. You would, you would check your words and make sure this is what I want before I say it. Like the scripture says, um, in another translation, this says, a man of sense is sparing of his words. And the prudent will, uh, even, a, even a fool may pass for wise if he says nothing. And with those lips, he may be counted sensible with closed lips. Can you see that like James says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Proverbs 18.2 <clears throat> says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinions. Well, I just got to tell you what I think. Hmm. All right. 
So Proverbs is just full of scriptures like this. And I could go on, but let's just suffice it to say, it's not okay to just motor mouth. It's not okay for us to just talk, 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 talk. God put us on this earth and on this planet not to just yak, but like a king to use words to create things, good things, to use our words to destroy bad things, to bind and shut down the enemy's work. See, the more faith that you have in your words and that they're powerful, the more effective they become. So I, remember, I think about people like Abraham, how he looked up into the heavens and he saw the stars and he said, God, you said that my seed will be this, that way and that's the way they'll be. And then it was. How when he was taking Isaac up onto the mountain, he turned around and he looked at his wife and the wood that was there and, and he said, me and this boy, we're gonna go up and me and this boy, we're coming back. The Bible says in Hebrews that he was believing for God to raise him from the dead. And he, and he said, we will be back. And they were. I'm also reminded of David, you know, just as a teenager. We talked about this a while back, is that he went and he stood up in front of the king and he said, send me. I'll go and fight this, this Philistine. Goliath was his name. I'll fight him. And God delivered into my hand the lion, and God delivered in my hand the bear, and he will, not he might, not we'll go out there and see, he will, he will deliver this, this man into my hands. And see, faith is bold like that. It's bold to say what God will do. Faith is bold to proclaim how this thing's going to turn out. And when David went out there, you know, he tried to wear Saul's armor, but it didn't work. And so he came out there with a staff and a sling, and Goliath was insulted. And he said, look, you sent out this kid after me with a stick? It's like sending somebody out after a dog. And he said, you come here, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. And that's when David looked at him. And he said, yeah, you come at me with all of that armor and with that sword and that spear, but I come after you in the name of God and I will take off your head. I will feed your flesh to the... And, and then he got inspired and he said, yeah, not just you, the whole army. We're just gonna take you all. <laughs> and he had exactly what David said came to pass. But do you know, can you hear how bold that is? It's no wonder why a lot of us don't get any results. You know, it's like, well, you know, whatever God wants, you know, his will be done. And if he wants to give us, you know, the giant, then he will. And if he doesn't, then he won't. And, and you know, they don't have a clue how the God kind of faith works. Scripture says, don't be unwise and, and understand, or don't be unwise and understand what the will of God is. It's our job to find out what the word of God is so that we can proclaim it into being. See, like I remember the three, uh, the three Hebrew children when they were facing Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he said, you got to bow down and worship when the music plays or I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And they looked at him and they said, listen, if you do throw us in there, we want you to know that our God that we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us they stood up in the faith of in the face of death and and boldly said this will happen god will deliver us and he did we have to be bold see faith is bold to say what god has has done and faith is bold to say what god will do faith is bold to say how this whole thing is going to turn out <laughs> 
Romans 4.17 says that faith proclaims things that have not happened yet with as much certainty as if they already have had, already have happened. And I believe that in this congregation, I believe that you as an individual have this much authority with your words. I believe that you can stand up to the situations in your life. I believe that you can stand up and you can speak to your family, speak to your marriage, speak to your current situations and declare boldly God's will into your life. You know what? I even believe that you could even stand up and boldly declare that those that you love that are far from God, that they will meet God, that they will dedicate their lives to Christ, that you and your words can be a part of that. We see it all the time, mothers praying for their children and children praying for their parents, people giving their lives to Christ and just believing that eternal life is in their future. And once again, I just love imagining what would happen if we as a congregation were this bold and we understood our words and the power of our words and the faith that is the ammunition of our words and that we could declare those things that are not as though they are.